What is up, Fantasyland? Welcome back to the GOAT District via the Player Profiler Network. On today's show, we are panning for ADP Gold with one of the best analysts, best players out there. You see him on Twitter flying his plane. You see him in the draft rooms crushing boards on every platform. He's Billy Muzio, and he's with us today for another huge show. Whether you're drafting a Dalmatian, whether you're drafting a Fantasy Pros, or an FFPC $5 best ball. This is must-see TV, and let's get. Goat District, you know the Pope listens. Dynasty, our religion, for the blokes missing. On all of these trades, on all of these plays, on all of these grades, by the end of the day, y'all getting played. So, what you gonna do next? Try to fill up that flex? Send the homie a text? That trash offers the best? You try to make it complex? Then they text you back, now all of a sudden they don't make any sense? <laughs> Broaden your horizons, boy. Dynasty's not for the Simons, boy. These trades not for consignment, boy. Respect your opponent, y'all some piranhas, boy. This my advice from me to you. Open up your cute little podcast queue. Search up GOAT District, my dude. Pop it in your ear, man. Y'all know what to do. It's the. And I always be traded. Traded. And I always be traded. Traded. And I always be traded. Y'all try to betray them, but first you gotta bait them. Fish. What is up, Fantasyland? We're back in the district for another monster show. Make sure you check us out, guys, on your favorite podcast platform. Make sure you check out the Goat District channel. I know last week, guys, you guys know we're on this channel right here, Player Profiler, 9 p.m. Eastern every Wednesday night. Last week, we had Alan Sislowski right here talking some serious dynasty. We went really deep, Theo and I, with Alan. And Theo, you, or sorry, Dan and I with Alan, and Theo, you and I this past weekend with Maddie Kiwoom, the game plan, talking some high stakes, not players, not, not roster builds, just the high stakes streets, the buy-ins, how to get in, how to, how to manage and stay consistent, everything you want to know about high stakes. So guys, go check all of that goatness out. We have a monster show tonight, guys. Dan, I'm going to let you, before we go to our, uh, our audience, walk this man in proper, please. Walk this man in, Demuzio himself. <laughs> I, honestly, there there's nobody I trust more with projections than uh, Billy. I mean, he's he's always right on. It seems like uh, he Billy sees things kind of the, a lot of the same way I do, but he actually puts in the work and gets those projections out of it. Where I'm a little bit more of a you know fly by the seat of my pants kind of guy. So uh, I appreciate Billy putting in the work. Anytime Billy says something, and I and I'm like, no, I don't think so. I, I'm double checking myself, you know, because that's a that's a sign I might be off somewhere. So, um, and and we figured what a what a perfect time, you know, we're we're in a, a little bit of a holding pattern with the NFL events. You know, there's many camps are done. Uh, most players are off doing their own thing for a month. There's not a lot of incentives for teams to move very aggressively to sign any remaining free agents. I mean, we you know we've seen a little bit of movement here with uh, you know Dalvin's been offered a contract, but he's not taking it yet. You know, and most of the news out there is really just kind of fluff pieces. So I think it's a great time to dig in on some really specific players, team scenarios, that kind of thing. You know, because the game board isn't constantly being flipped by that big news. So 
we got Billy because, of course, he's a 49ers fan. So who who better to help us pan for gold than uh, Billy? And, uh, you know, we just want to look at some players and positions that are still a little bit murky and just see if we can make a little sense out of it. Find those find those hidden uh, nuggets that uh, can help us crush when it comes to September, October, November, and December. Yeah, that's pretty much it, Billy. We're pumped to have you, man. Before we get into it, because we got a lot to get to, guys. We're going to go every level of the ADP. We're going to go every position. Before we do that, we definitely have to give a word to the big men. We got to go to the sponsors, guys. We'll be back right after this. Hey, you know, people always ask me, what's the World Series of Fantasy? What's the Super Bowl of Fantasy? And it's easy. It's the FFPC. Their signature players championship has a $6 million prize pool. And their best ball leagues start in February. And they're the answer to so many questions. Hey, what's the best place to get a Dynasty Orphan? Well, you can adopt a Dynasty Orphan at the FFPC right now. There's more orphans at the FFPC than anywhere else on the internet. That's why we partner with them. So if you want to play fantasy football for low, medium, high stakes, you love Dynasty, you love best ball, you love seasonal leagues, all types of fantasy footballers need to go to the FFPC and remember... Use promo code UNDERWORLD. Promo code UNDERWORLD gets you $25 off your first team. Promo code UNDERWORLD, $25 off your first team, no matter what the format is, at the FFPC. Go get it. All right, guys, we are back to it. And I got to give a quick shout out to the chat, man. We don't mention it enough. Our chat is always lit. And we got a new addition to the team. We got Nick in the in the chat, Nick Tab. So say hi to Nick. He's going to be helping out the show. We appreciate him and everything he's bringing to the table. Dan, we have a monster show sheet tonight. It's a crucial time of the year. Some people are sleeping in your league, but you're watching this. You're not. Then let's get to the QB position. Oh, did he freeze? Dan's, Dan's frozen. Dan's frozen in Minnesota. In Minnesota. All right. We, well, before... we can... Brock Purdy just has him that scared. Yeah, that Brad, he's just gonna... well, there you go. Guys, let's let's just we Muzio, you were on this very show, I'm pretty sure, predicting that Brock Purdy would be the 49ers starting quarterback way back. I don't even know when that was. You might remember when that was. I, I know started it... talking about it in, in December. And there you go. and and Billy made a New Year's Day tweet. The receipts are very much there. A big <laughs> receipt. And Billy, you had some haters laughing at you. I did. You had, some, you had some haters not realizing you're Mr. 49er and they came at you. And now jokes on them. Cause, cause you know, Billy's looking pretty sharp on that one. It's just, I watch a lot of NFL games, not just the Niner games, but I watch nearly every game every week, whether it's all 22 tape or it's the rewind. Um, it may be both actual rewind and the, and the all 22 tape. And so when I was watching and diving into Brock Purdy, it's just something about him, man. It just, he was working. The biggest thing for me is he was working through his progressions, right? Where a rookie quarterback doesn't typically do that. He was hitting, he was going through his second progression, his third progression at times, looking at a fourth progression. He his his footwork looked, you know, uh, definitely above that of a rookie caliber NFL quarterback. And so I know that anyone inside this West coast offense, all they need to do is get their playmakers, the ball and Brock Purdy was able to do that. And so I know the Niners spent, you know, a lot of capital on Trey Lance. He has a big arm, a lot of talent, but you know, in the short capacity that we saw him play, 
struggled at times, whether it be accuracy or just getting the ball to playmakers. So when I saw a rookie come in and operate this West Coast offense in a manner that was one smooth and fluid, but also just humble about it. It just resonated with me, and I knew that it was going to be one of those Kyle Shanahan guys. And it just seemed to be like he kept rising to the occasion. He kept winning the locker room, and he kept being so humble about every single step of the way where you knew he was going to win the locker room. And that's what you saw happen, and that's why I, I, I made the claim that he was going to be the starter if he was healthy. And that's what we want for our, our fantasy teams, too. I think it would be also the most ideal outcome with, with those skill position players Billy, maybe you could talk a little bit about that CMC split with Purdy. Yeah, I mean, it's the numbers are just astronomical, and it's not just a split. I mean, just in general, Purdy's numbers across the board, his consistency during that stretch. So, in particular, I don't. So he he came in and had a few attempts earlier in the year, but I don't want to look at those weeks. Like he was technically active week five, he was technically active week seven. He had nine attempts in week seven. He was technically active week eleven. But let's just focus on weeks 13 through 18 like the stretch that he had down down the down the run and into playoffs so over the course of those six games he consistently proved himself and we saw him throw for you know a little over 1200 yards 68 percent completion percentage he only averaged about 201 yards per game so it's a little bit of lower side but he did throw 13 uh total touchdowns and he only threw four interceptions he had a total pass rating during that time of 102.2 and so when you look at the statistics, he ranked number 18 of fantasy points with 15.3 during weeks 13 against Miami. And that week he threw for, you know, 210 yards and 67.6% completion percentage. And that was kind of like the average across those 18 weeks. So when you look at the other numbers, um, you know, it, very impressive completion percentage. So like I said, 69, so 69.8% completion rate during that time. It placed him amongst other of the elites in the category, like Geno Smith, who led the league. He also, you know, finished ahead of Joe Burrow. He finished ahead of Justin Herbert. He finished ahead of uh, Daniel Jones, Patrick Mahomes. You look at touchdown rate, 7.6%. He led all qualified quarterbacks in the league above Patrick Mahomes, who was at 6.3, above Josh Allen, who's 6.1, above Joe Burrow, who's at 5.9, and above Dak Prescott, who was at 5.8. And then this one is the is the, is the the piece that, that really resonated with me was how he was under pressure. I talked about his progressions. I talked about his footwork. I talked about how he made it and scrambled. And there was like the best – I posted this on Twitter a while back. It was like the best scramble evasion and progressions that I saw him make almost all year – and it was a drop pass in the end zone by Ayuk. He hit him in the hands in the in, in the right corner of the end zone. But he was number two in pressure completion percentage at 55.8%, only behind Justin Herbert at 57.1%. So love what I saw out of Brock Purdy. Love the fact that he's in this West Coast offense. He's got weapons. He's got Christian McCaffrey, Debo Samuel. He's got Brandon Ayuk. He's got George Kittle. He has everything he needs to be successful. We just need to see him healthy enough so, to the field. so if he's going qb 26 right now in fantasy pros adp you know that that's moved up right with with you know the latest news and so on with everything you just said how high is he going do you think between now and 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 the season and where where do you have him in your rankings right now so the rankings were updated today on the side or i believe dario was going to update him i did another run last night um prior to this week i was still projecting him to miss um, four to six games. And so I punched in the projections, um, like I said, last night, as if he's actually going to play the entire season. So I did put him at 16 games. Um, that actually moved him pretty far up in my rankings. That moved him to quarterback 20. 
Um, again, I did not give him the same touchdown rate. That's just unrealistic. I did not give him the same completion percentage. Unrealistic. So I did decrease a lot of his stats. Um, and so I was pretty conservative with these numbers. And so tight end 20 seems to be pretty low. I, I think he has every opportunity to outperform that, at least that he's healthy. Um, and if he's out there week one, I could see a scenario where he's, you know, quarterback 14, 15, 16 range. Um, and so a pretty modest projection at quarterback 20. In those six games that he started, the the lowest weekly finish was quarterback 18. So like he crushed. I, he was he crushed. And, and I think that there's – if we're going by judging by the sum of the parts, um, you know, obviously he's slightly capped in terms of the Shanahan quarterbacks are not putting up a ton of fantasy points, but I think he could be like quarterback 13, 14. Like, I think that that's kind of in the range of outcomes that he could sneak into that quarterback one line. Brandon Ayuk, Debo Samuel, Christian McCaffrey, George Kittle. It's a, it's an easy game, right, Dan? Was it Dak, Dan, that got hurt last season? Yeah, Dak did. Really? Yeah, he, he, was, he was hurt for about six weeks. Right, and I picked up Purdy, and it it's like it was it was beautiful. Yeah, and uh, you know Purdy, I think you guys hit on pretty much everything uh, with Brock. I'm I'm just curious, Billy, who you think is going to be? Uh, you know, if Brock misses some games, who's going to be the backup there? Who's who's going to make the start? I think it's a, this is an interesting one because I think that Sam Darnold, in my opinion, is probably a, a better caliber quarterback than Trey Lance. I just think he's been in the wrong scenario his entire career. Uh, and he hasn't been surrounded with the weapons that the Niners would surround him with. So there is a real scenario in which Sam Darnold steps in as the week one starter and could potentially, you know, shine. And and if he continues to win games, do you rush Purdy back is the question, right? And so I think that's scenario one. Scenario two, and I think is probably the more likely scenario would be the Niners want to recoup some of the cost that it took to get Trey Lance and that they're going to want to throw him into the mix just to, you know, not look as stupid as they were for trading up to get him. And I think that overall, that was probably the most likely outcome because they want to return on that investment. That being said, there's a lot of concerns with Trey Lance. In the short window we saw him, he had some inaccuracies. He was failing to get the ball out in time. He was tucking and running too early. And so if those things continue, I think he'd be on a short leash. And again, you may see Sam Darnold in there before Purdy's back. So I would not be surprised to see, I hate to say a hot hand approach at quarterback, but depending upon what camp looks like, depending upon what preseason looks like, I think will give us a clearer picture. I'm hoping it's Brock Purdy based upon health, but again, why rush him, especially, you know, if you don't need to. And so I, I would, to answer your question, Dan, I'm going to lean with Trey Lance just because of the draft capital. Um, but, you know, people forget Sam Darnold was around with pick as well. Right. Very true. So we're, we're talking about Purdy being a big value at quarterback. But uh, who, who, Billy, do you think is the biggest value right now at uh, current ADPs at quarterback? We'll be right back with Billy's answer and a ton more goatness right after these messages from our sponsors. And we're back. Let's hear what Billy has to say. I, I'm, I love Russell Wilson this year. And I think we look at last year as an anomaly and, and say that we are not going to see this 
this big of an inefficient season out of, of Russell Wilson again. Last last year was the first time he was actually outside of quarterback 13 um, since 2016. And so he had quite the stretch uh, where he was consistently, you know, a quarterback one in fantasy. Uh, and I chop it up to new offense, new coach and, and Hackett, of course, being probably the main factor. Uh, and so his completion percentage just fell off a cliff, right? We saw... 2020, 68.8%, 2021, 64.8%. He drops all the way down to 60.5%, which is just a massive drop from a, from a statistical standpoint. Yards per attempt dropped down massively as well. Um, and so I don't think touchdowns dropped down significantly. I don't think that we're going to see that low of a season from Russell Wilson this year. We got Sean Payton, who just came on board. Uh, and so we know that he's able to get the most out of his quarterbacks. We saw what him and, and, and Breeze did together for years. They bring in um, the new offensive coordinator, Lombardi, um, who you know has deployed many offenses. You know, some not so well done well, but in this system with with Peyton, I think it'll it'll work well, um, which typically favors the X receiver. And so they have Cortland Sutton there, who's going to operate at the X. They have Jerry Judy, who's still you know a dynamic playmaker on the field. They have an athletic tight end. And so um, we also have to remember that Javante Williams is is coming off you know a gruesome knee injury and they may be passing the ball a lot more earlier in the season, which would get this off, this offense into a rhythm earlier rather than later, which would only help them throughout the entire season. So I love Russell Wilson where he's going at ADP, um, you know, over at the FFPC inside of the fantasy pros contest. He's being drafted on average at uh, pick 307.3. And he's going behind Aaron Jones, behind Kirk Cousins, behind Geno Smith, behind Tua. Uh, he's going behind Daniel Jones, going behind Derek Carr at times, and and Jared Goff, and so surrounded by weapons in a very you know high powered um, division. I like what we could see out of Russell Wilson this year. Yeah, no doubt. That's uh, definitely one of my biggest as well. What about you, JD? Got a got a quarterback value? You've been just unable to stop hammering. Yeah, I mean, Wilson was my guy. A uh, couple guys that I had just in case because I had a feeling I'd get sniped either by Billy or Theo. Uh, I, I like grabbing Stafford. I like where he's going. Uh, you know, bad team. People are maybe shying away, but I think they're going to be slinging the ball. He's got cup. He still has weapons there in Acres. Higby should be back. Um, and then the other one that I was thinking is a guy who was a value last year who wasn't even being drafted this time of year and finishes a top QB in Geno Smith. They added JSN. They added a weapon at back. Uh, I see this offense is offense progressing and Geno progressing in the offense. So I think that he can uh, deliver. He's going at QB 15. I think that's probably about right, but I think he can be a top 12. I like your Geno Smith uh, answer, JD, and I think that was a really good one. For me, I'm taking this question a little differently. I'm trying to look for a guy that I think could be QB 1 overall. Um, and it's difficult this year because you see the quarterback values get steamed up so high but I'm starting to see Trevor Lawrence fall into like a very desirable range because I don't have question marks about the offense. I think that Trevor Lawrence, if he takes that next big step in year three, I believe in the quality of the weapons. I believe in the coaching staff. I think it could come all together. I wouldn't make that bet, but when you start seeing a sizable gap between him and like the Fields Herbert tier, then I'm going to start taking some shots on, on Trevor Lawrence. I think there could be a little – a little bit more gap because people seem to be a little bit kind of like bored by him. He's getting pushed down slightly. Yeah. And I'll, I'll just extend that out to Justin Herbert and uh, Deshaun Watson. I mean, 
all of them are going at a substantial discount to the you know the top quarterbacks on the board and all of them I think have the capacity to finish up in the top three so uh, I don't mind taking targeted shots at any one of them I just curious Billy your thoughts on Dak I like Dak this year um, I know there's hesitance after they lost Kellen Moore, or they should say fired Kellen Moore, and he went over to the Chargers this season and, and McCarthy and, and the new OC. But that being said, they don't have Zeke Elliott anymore. That's over 200 carries that are available. We probably could expect this offense to be a little bit more pass-heavy than they have been in the years in the past. They have CeeDee Lamb. They went out and got Brandon Cooks. They didn't They got you know didn't really address the tight end position outside of Shoemaker, and so – they still have Gallup as the receiver three. They have Tony Pollard that has been, you know, electric inside the passing game as well. So I, w- I think this offense is going to shift slightly to a little bit more pass heavy attack. And I think it'll favor Dak Prescott. Cause he's like 30 spots below Deshaun Watson. Danny he's going, yeah, two and a half rounds. Yeah. I was just looking at that. And I noticed that earlier in a super flex, he goes quite a bit after Watson and you got to think the value's very close. You guys want to guess where I got him in an FFPC best ball the other day? What round? Um, lowest in the it's it's the lowest in the tournament. Really? Yeah. For superflex? Wow. No, no, I don't play superflex that much. Or the one twenty five? Yeah, one twenty five. One twenty five. Tenth? I'm gonna go with the tenth. It was like eleven three. I think was the was, wow. the, was the number. Oh my god! Wow. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> I have no insane. correlation, but I have to take him here. <laughs> yes. Yeah, that's uh, that's definitely the way to go. Um. So let's let's talk about a couple quarterbacks that are going back-to-back as low in quarterback twos. Um, Jordan Love and Kenny Pickett. Uh, you know, both of them, you know, Kenny, Kenny has a year under his belt. Uh, Jordan Love has several years under his belt, but not too many games under his belt. Um, do you see either or both of them as being capable of supporting a functional fantasy-friendly offense for us? And, you know, if so, what, is, what does success really look like for each one of these guys? Yeah, I, I think these guys, this is – these are actually two of some of my most targeted quarterbacks inside of drafts right now. And it's because they're going so late. And my typical strategy is wait on quarterback because we can always find value at the position. Currently I have Jordan Love as quarterback 21. I have Pickett as quarterback 23. Uh, Grappolo is in between them right there, but we're talking between them and quarterback 19. We're talking about a difference of like three fantasy points. And so it is a tight knit group. Uh, that being said, I think that Pickett probably has the most outs uh, when we look at the weapons that he's surrounded with. Right? We, he has he has got Deontay Johnson, who's always been a target monster. He's got Pat Fryermuth, who has been an exceptional tight end in early in his career. He has um, you know Najee Harris that he can utilize as as an outlet, and of course you know the, the rest of the the team as well. I specifically did not mention one player because I don't think he's going to be that great this year. But we have overall a much improved offensive line. So they went out and spent a round one pick on Broderick Jones. They added Darnell Washington, I think, in round three as a blocking tight end. They addressed the position again in round seven um, on the offensive line. And so we can expect this offensive line to be much improved. We saw how hurried they were last year in under pressure. Uh, not only from a quarterback perspective, but a rushing perspective. They were constantly being tackled behind the line of scrimmage, getting stuffed runs. And so with a much improved offensive line, I think that we can see Kenny Pickett take a, a pretty big step forward. Um, and we expect this offense to still be pretty pass heavy, right? I think still their top 10 in the league in pass attempts. Uh, this offense in general, I know Big Ben was, you know, always a driving factor of, of total attempts inside of 
of of this offense, but we we still saw them, you know, pretty heavy last year, even with a a mixture or a carousel of quarterbacks. And so, with one quarterback under center getting more comfortable with a better offensive line with additional weapons, I think that Kenny Pickett has every opportunity to outperform ADP. Love it, love it. Love, love is my fourth most owned player on the FFPC. He's my most owned quarterback. I need more Pickett. I love Pickett. I love all the pieces. I love everything you said, Billy. Tomlin leading the way with a second-year quarterback. The weapons are all still there. You got to think DJ is going to score a few more touchdowns than the zero he did last year. Theo, what do you think about these two? I think it's interesting because if we just simply look back to last year, there was so much failure with the low-end QB1s and the high-end QB2s. It's a little bit flatter probably than people think. And like, I know for 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 just for referencing like underdog, both of those guys have been like quarterback two targets for me on underdog builds. Um, I love what Billy shared. I think that the the Kenny Pickett's interesting because people talk about like the rushing upside where he could, you know, we saw it at Pitt. Last year we had like a 50-yard game from him, like a 30-yard game, but that wasn't that consistent. It but year two, if he suddenly sees the offense better and is more of like an opportunistic scrambler. And maybe Deontay Johnson, George Pickens, one of those guys takes a big step and is an ABP steal. Like I could see Pickett doing it, but I'm kind of maybe more intrigued by Jordan Love right now. Everything I'm reading about Jordan Love, I, I like. I and I'll give a, a hat tip to our friends over at First and Fifteen, also on Player Profiler YouTube. Um, Abib's on him, so I started looking into him. A Billy and Abib are both on a guy. I got to open my eyes to it, and uh, I think Jordan Love is like to me. He's been waiting the longest, so he's kind of getting punished by drafters because it's the complete unknown. But Green Bay showed you what they think of him by bringing in literally no competition for him and adding weapons for him. So I think I'm on both those guys in, in underdog builds. I don't know if I'd be as 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 aggressive with my with my. Yeah, we keep losing team. you, buddy. You're uh, you and Dan are sharing the same Wi-Fi. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, just to just to kind of put a bow on it, I think yeah, both of, both of them could definitely be good values. We are definitely looking at them, uh, especially with Pickett to to carry that offense. I mean, you know the way that his skill players are being drafted. Uh, another player that's being drafted very very late, Sam Howell. Uh, you know, but all of the Washington offense is kind of being drafted with the assumption that we're going to get some competent quarterback play here. Uh, do we really think that Howell can provide this? And if so, does that make him one of the best values in the draft? Or are the drafters' fears of uh, Jacoby Brissett taking over those legit, despite the fact that nobody's really drafting Brissett either at all? I Howell's interesting to me. So in points per game, he's actually a lot higher in my projections. But I don't have him playing all 17 games. I do have Brissett hitting the field in four in my original projections. But Hal's very intriguing because he does have some rushing upside. He has the weapons like you talked about. Eric Bieniemy comes in and probably wants to get creative, has a chip on his shoulder, wants to prove that he is a NFL you know, coach or head coach, not just an offensive coordinator. He was kind of been, you know, everyone says that he was kind of, hidden behind the chiefs in the organization. And now he's out to prove everyone wrong and saying, I can do it with the commanders for fuck's sakes, you know? And, and so here he is. And so I, I like how I was drafting a lot of them early. I kind of cooled it for a while um, just to get some clarity because the percentage was getting kind of high. And so I, I think he has, 
I think he's going to be given a lot of opportunities to succeed. I think he has the weapons to succeed. He's also has, you know, enough mobility to also uh, kind of help increase those fantasy points. And so he's one of the most intriguing late round quarterbacks that I think are out there. Yep, totally. Theo, what do you what do you think about uh, our our boy I, Howell I, here? I want to kind of believe in Howell. Um, I think that Washington certainly is going to give him an opportunity, but I think it's based on how he plays. Um, and I think having Brissett behind him, Brissett's like one of the backups that I I trust. Um, I think it's one of the, like the it's a weird combination. It's like the most unproven, possibly shakiest starter there is with the one of the best backups that that's you know been solid uh, as a uh, behind him. So it's a weird combination. But yeah, I think Billy's right. It's so it's definitely an offense that we like the weapons and we like the offensive coordinator and both and, he, and Sam Howell is so 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 cheap right now. Like, I think he's, for me, I'm, I'm more comfortable with him in, like, three quarterback best ball builds than I would be in, in like, having him as my QB2 um, in, like, an underdog or an FFPC super flex. 100%. Yep. Yeah, I, I agree with Theo. That's exactly what I was, was going to say. In a two-quarterback, two no, but he's the last quarterback I'm comfortable with in a three-quarterback build. Yep, I would agree with that, but I definitely have not had any problem taking uh, Brissett in, uh, in really deep best ball leagues. Uh, like the standalone FFPC 28 rounders. Uh, I've, I've been grabbing some Brissette very, very late just because I think, you know, there is a chance. So, um, and we, we know he's a pretty decent quarterback if he does get in there and play. So, um, good for the receivers too, Dan. Last yeah. year, Amari was really, really good with him. So, uh, Amari was um, way better than I expected. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. JD and I were having, we, we, we have Amari on one of our dynasty teams and we're, we're talking, you know, Man, if Amari starts off with a couple good weeks, we may we may have to just sell right away, you know, just get it get out from under it. And uh, it, but it we we stuck with him, and it ended up being the right move. So yeah, Brissett was shocking to me a little bit last last year as to how well he was able to support receivers. Yeah, he's a he's he usually even back in the the Colts days, man. He he gets on the field, he's a dependable backup. You know what I mean? And that's what that's what these teams like having, especially when when there's uncertainty like Howell. Very short sample. You talk about a very short sample. Uh, uh, what's that saying, Dan? What's it, what am I trying to say? Short sample size. Uh, yes. You know, he's got what one game where he started there, but um, the enemy there, the weapons are there. There's there's a lot to look forward to uh, with Sam Howell. Let's let's shift it a bit, Dan. Let's go over to my favorite position, the running back position, and let's talk about one of our favorite guys right now. I see Theo's smile. I love the Batman theme. Like you're like this big running back guy, and none of us like running backs. It's funny, JD. You're claiming running back. Oh, it's, it's it's always been my favorite position. Theo, you need, you need to claim claimed, running backs after this draft that you just started. Dan just I, claimed tight ends. Like that's yeah. that's like you know that's some stones right there, Dan. Yeah, but Theo, Theo, that draft that you're doing right now, you've you've got three running backs boomer. and five rounds. Come on, man! Boomer. I showed I showed you and Billy and JD my my board. I I I, I consulted with Andrew Schellenberg, um, but I kept I had a Saquon Christian McCaffrey start. I added T Higgins, and then a few of my running backs went off my queue. And I said, you know what? I'm going to push it. I'm just going to add a Burrow. So now I have a Burrow Higgins, and then there was another quick little wide receiver run. And instead of reaching and, and pushing a guy up, um, I I went with J.K. Dobbins. So I have a you know a, a bimodal construction build here, Dan. So I feel very old. I feel like it, it added a lot of years on me. I got to have like some prunes in the morning, maybe some cream mm-hmm. of wheat. 
Warriors maybe a, maybe a towel around your neck, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I thought you were going to get hot, Theo, and you have to take no, your skirt off. This is, this is U.S. men's national team. Um, you know, J.D., uh, Dan, and Billy were, 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 give, were busting my balls on it in the pregame, but I, I am a big U.S. men's national team fan. I'm actually a card-carrying outlaw, which is the official supporters club. So uh, we have a game tonight, and I'm, I'm rocking the colors, man. But you know, there, there's another, there's another guy you are holding a, I don't know what you want to call it, the fan club card or the Stevenson season. That's where I thought we were going. I saw the big smile on your face. Mondre season or Ramondre Steven season. Whatever, whatever way you want to call it. As long as you use the S-Z-N, you're good. I know you was it Z. You guys say Z or Z? I think you guys we say Z. Z. It's okay. We say Z. We'll Z, Z is a Canadian thing. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's all good. It's all good. I'm allowed, man. I'm north of the border. But <laughs> Billy, in all seriousness, right now people have this guy going top ten. I love Stevenson. Like fourth round after I started, or you know, fourth fifth round in a super flex after I started, maybe two quarterbacks, a stud receiver or tight end or something. But is he top ten for you right now? Do you think that's a fair price, or do you have concerns with how much volume Fantasyland is expecting for this running back in, in New England? You're saying top ten at the position? Is that what you're saying? At the position, mm-hmm. yes. Yeah, yeah. I have met RB five, and so um, I was high on him in my original projections. I know Ooh, I had, yeah. a, I know I had a debate with Dave Richards from CBS. Um, Seely and I discussed these uh, as well. Seeley was closer to me than he was to Dave. I was still probably higher um, than Seeley was, but Seeley was at least top 10 as well. And so Ramondre Stevenson just has a lot of opportunity, right? They, they didn't address the position at all. And I forget the total amount of draft picks. I, I Don't quote me because someone's going to quote me and it's going to make me look like an idiot on YouTube. But it was like 12 draft picks or something like that this, this, this season. And they didn't use a single one on the running back position. The rest of the the lineup they have Pierre Strong, they have Kevin Harris, right? They they and that's that's really it. And so we look at what Ramondre Stevenson did last year. He had a sixty five percent snap share, opportunity share sixty three point one percent. He was RB three in targets last year, eighty nine. It's kind of a sneaky number. People don't look at him and say, "Wow, he had the third most targets inside the running back position for the entire NFL." He had sixty nine receptions, which was the fourth most. 421 receiving yards, right? He, he had 1,000 rushing yards. Target share, 17.3% of the target share, right? And a lot of these things, people say, well, he's got regression inbound, right? Which, okay, he might have some regression. But when you look at the weapons that they have inside of the passing game, there's, you know, there's not a, a lot to be really that concerned about. So they went out and got Juju, who we're already hearing is having setbacks with his knee. So that's... That's potentially 19% target share there that could be available for grabs if we have any more setbacks. Outside that, they have, you know, Taekwon Thornton. They have, you know, Keishon Booty. They have Kendrick Bourne, Devontae Parker, right? None of these guys are going to command a target share. Uh, I know we have Hopkins that is kind of pending or looming and that potentially could end up here uh, inside New England. If that happens, I think that we could expect the targets to come down for Ramondre, but I don't think it necessarily hurts him. I think it'll be more balanced and that the defenses will will actually have to be honest. They're not going to be able to just load the box up on him and focus Ramondre Stevenson. And so I know they went out and acquired Jacecki and self Hunter Henry, so we can probably expect this offense to run a lot of 12 personnel, which will also benefit Ramondre Stevenson. So early projections, I have met 15.5% target share, which in – comparison to last year like i said he had you know a little over 17 percent last year so it is it is a little bit of regression there still comes in as rb5 
I gave him a regression inside of cash percentage. I dropped him down two and a half percent, which is significant. Um, still gave him 63 receptions, a little over 400 receiving yards and two and a half receiving touchdowns. And then on the rushing side of the ball, uh, I dropped him significantly as well. 48% of the rushing share. I talked about his opportunity at 63% earlier, right? So 217 rushing attempts, which is, is, is lower than a lot of people haven't projected for yards per carry. I dropped his production there as well. I do have him underneath a thousand rushing yards, um, uh, because I peer strong, uh, actually involved inside the rushing share as well. And so I do think that, um, this offense will see a combination of Pierre Strong and Kevin Harris at least worked in, but I think that Bill Pelichick will actually lean on Ramondre. We saw it last year, and I think it worked. And with you know check down Mac there, I think that we can, can continue to see some check downs to Ramondre Stevenson. Before Dan Williamson pours ice water on Ramondre Stevenson and <laughs> makes us all upset and, and like tilted, I would also like to say that this is last year Bill Belichick in November – compared the growth of Ramondre Stevenson and his development in a short time to Lawrence Taylor and Tom Brady. This is from Bill Belichick saying that. And then, Billy, you talked about Hackett. Well, we, we certainly like the, the upgrade uh, going to Bill O'Brien from, like, the clown show last year in New England. So, like, this is their weapon. This is a new age. They, they're trying to compete with teams in division – Dan, please, can we please convince you on Ramondre Stevenson at ADP tonight? Come on, Dan. Come on, man. I have a hard time doing it. Um, <laughs> you got really burned do. by Stephen Ridley, didn't you? That's why I, you I, I have been burned by – well, I've been burned by a few New England running backs, but mostly I've watched other people get burned by New England running backs, and that's the way I prefer to keep it, watching other people get burned by New England running backs. So I'm, I'm just going to stick with my same old – uh, strategy this year. Let other people draft the first New England running back. I will take the guys later. You know, I'll take the Pierre Strongs. I'll take Kevin Harris. Uh, you know, whatever. I'll take Leonard Fournette. I mean, God knows who ends up there. Uh, but I, I just, I don't know. I, I don't think that. I think Stevenson's going high enough. He can't really hurt me, even if he, uh, he even somewhat exceeds his ADP. I have a hard time seeing him uh, be a true league winner from from where he's going. And I just I, I see too many possible downsides to him, so just can't do it. Sorry, I've I've been I've I've been burned too much, and watched other people get burned too much. I will say I'll take a devil's advocate because I'm on Stevenson, but the the devil's advocate is that there's too many sharp people on Stevenson right now, and he's also gotten pushed up, JD. Like the days yep. that we yeah. see Stevenson later, like now you're talking about, I see him sneaking in the back end of the second round a lot. Mm-hmm. And I think he's a popular pick when somebody takes Justin Jefferson at the one, then they follow up with Stevenson at the two, three turn. So you lose a little bit of an edge, the higher he moves up and up, but it's I kinda like, it's kind of like Dobbins. We were saying Dobbins was going, you know, quite a bit later earlier yeah. in the season. And now he's, you know, creeping up. So a lot of these guys are, we're losing a lot of that. And a guy that's going a couple picks later in, in the fantasy pros and, and zoo Yang in the chat, shout out to the chat. You guys are crushing. And guys, smash the like, man. I mean, Billy's dropping some serious numbers. I don't know if you guys are even following. Just some serious takes. Dan is just in and out, you know, riding his, his Wi-Fi. He was sweating over there with the scarf. But guys, in all seriousness, I mean, we're, we're going deep at every position right now. I think we're hitting on some, some crucial guys that you need to figure out what you're going to do with. And Najee Harris is another guy in Pittsburgh. We touched on it a bit. Uh, you mentioned the, the improved offensive line, um, Billy. 
RB12, RB13 is is kind of where he's going. He's almost kind of at a discount. And now you're hearing all this Warren hype, right? Like, is that just an, a, an opportunity to take advantage of that? Are you on Harris? How do you feel about his price right now in these drafts? I, I like Harris this year. Um, same reasons that I mentioned earlier with Pickett. Uh, I like the offensive line improvements, right? I mentioned earlier they spent the round one pick uh, on, on Broderick Jones. They spent another round seven. They got Darnell Washington round three, just to kind of recap briefly if anyone just joined us. Um, but for me, it breaks down to nausea of just opportunity, right? And it's hard to argue when someone is seeing 65% snap share, is seeing 70% of the total opportunity on the team and, and continues to see volume. And he has not been very efficient in his career, right? 3.9 yards per carry in 2021, 3.8 last year, um, but still saw 307 attempts his rookie year, 272 attempts last year. And we did see a, a, a pretty, you know, big dip inside receptions from the Big Ben era 2021 to the quarterback carousel last year. He went from 74 receptions to 41. And so I don't expect to see 74, but I think in the projections right now inside my model, uh, I have him at, let me pull it up real quick. I have him sitting at a total of 58 targets and I have him sitting at 47 receptions. So slightly, slightly higher than what we saw last year. We know he played hobbled as well. He had that ankle injury that he sustained pretty early in the season and kind of played through it all year. So I don't think we actually saw a healthy nausea for most of, of the, of the season. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that you have that to look forward to, you know, he continues to score 10 touchdowns, 10, 10 is rookie year, 10 last year. So why not? Let's just put the number at 10 again this year. Um, evaded tackles, surprisingly number four in the league with 101 evaded tackles and Jew crate surprising top 10 32.3%. So it's not you when you think of nausea you think of you know a, a bigger back 230 pounds, 6 foot 1. You don't think of him as someone who's juking and evading tackles but but he actually is. Um and when you look at overall his his dominant rating 30.3%. And so I think he's going to continue to see opportunities. He's going to continue to be heavily involved in the offense. And I think that he's going to continue to be that that outlet for Pickett when they're in trouble. And I think that he's going to continue to see massive volume. And so you can't argue with the volume and you can't ignore it. I always say volume is king in fantasy football. And whether you like the player or you don't like the player, you have to be mindful of the volume and the opportunity that they have. Yeah. And, and that's why I always say it's not about it shouldn't be about if you're dry. It should be how much of a guy you want. Like, you know, it's, it's rare that you want to be completely, completely out on a guy. Um, especially a guy like Najee that, like uh, Zhang mentioned, top three at the position gave us already. Yeah, I think I think with uh, Najee, I mean, it's just tough to find a better setup right now uh, for a running back. He's he's a first round pick. His his coach just absolutely loves to to ride a bell cow. Uh, he's super durable. I mean, you know, a lot of running backs would not have even tried to play with the injury he played with last year. You know, so you know, I. Jalen Warren, great. If you're if you're doing a zero RB build or you want a zero RB you know candidate, he's a great guy for that. But I just don't see Warren as having a whole lot of standalone value this year. I think they're going to continue to ride Najee Harris. That's just the way it is. Nobody likes it. Everybody likes to bag on him because you know he's just he's he's not a sexy pick. And sorry about that, but those are the kind of guys I actually kind of like taking. Like I feel a lot more comfortable taking uh, Najee Harris over Ramondre Stevenson, uh, not over, but at their ADPs, I can get uh, Harris usually a round later than what I can get Stevenson 
and you know I can get my upside in other places. What I'm getting with with uh, Najee is I'm getting a very very reliable starter who is almost certain to end up as a RB one by the end of the year. So thoughts on that, Theo? I like that you I like that you view it in a structural sense, Dan, and and Dan is like super sharp in the way he builds his teams, and you know it's kind of a reliable source. Um, of points. <laughs> I'll say I'll push back a little bit on on Warren because we did see the 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 reception total go way down, but we saw Warren get like 28 receptions. So it was it was not so much that they didn't throw to the running back; it's that another running back, you know, had about 75 percent of Harris's output. So that scares me a little bit. In case they want to increase uh, Warren's role, that would scare me a little bit. My my bottom line is I think for Harris. Like, it's a good good week we're talking about him. Like, Eagles, uh, James Brimacombe is in a big argument with, like, half of Twitter right now about his love for Najee Harris. People are coming at him. It's polarizing. There's a lot of Jalen Warren lovers, and a lot of people just don't think Najee Harris is great. And he's played 17 games each year, and he's managed to play hurt, and he's, you know, had fantasy success, but people still don't really believe in the talent. So um, it's interesting. I'll say he's... I'm not anti-Harris. I'm okay with it. If you start wide receiver, wide receiver, and you need a running back that you can rely on, I think that's fine. I just think that he's getting drafted at a point where wide receiver dries up, and that's also where the elite quarterbacks are being drafted. I feel like my builds are more dangerous when I go in that direction than taking a guy like Harris. So I don't know. He's probably a purgatory guy for me. So Dan mentioned uh, Harris being a perfectly set up running back. Billy, do you have another running back that uh, that you have that you can think of that has, you know, kind of a similar good situation, whether it's a bounce back situation or just put into the right offensive situation or the offensive line improve? Who's a guy that you feel is is kind of along those lines right now? Mm, there's so many this year. Um, I think there's so much flexibility at this position and there's a lot of running backs that are set up for success. But I think a name that I, I just can't ignore and that I continue to find myself going back to is J.K. Dobbins. I mean, you look at what this offense has. Like, they have Justice Hill. They have, you know, Gus Edwards, Keaton Mitchell. And, and so I, I'm just I, – no one is just really a huge threat to his, his workload. And he came off that injury last year, didn't really look quite right, you know, continue to kind of battle that knee injury. And even through that injury, he was still explosive, right? Number three in, in breakaway run rate at 10.9%. Um, limited capacity, he still saw 10 breakaway runs. Juke rate, 43.4%, which was RB2. Yards per touch at 5.7, which was RB9. Right, True yards per carry, he was RB number four. And you have to like what the offense did. They brought in Munkin. Munkin typically likes to rush first because then it opens up the secondary for his passing scheme. They have a rushing quarterback. Lamar Jackson's going to open up lanes. They added a few additional weapons in the passing game. It's going to keep defenses honest. Uh, I think J.K. Dobbins is in line for a pretty big season. Guys, smash the like if you like uh, if you like Theo's Theo's scarf. Could could Miles Sanders? There's three name. There's two names that I think of right now when I'm thinking kind of bounce back. Going to situation, you got Miles Sanders going with Frank Reich. You've got uh, Carolina was a top five in rush play percentages last year. He's a pass catching back. Uh, Randy from the War Zone was on here a couple weeks ago talking about how Frank Reich's running backs have done historically 
is he a guy that's in a perfect situation? And another guy along this, you know, I think about in Philly is DeAndre Swift going to a nice situation. I know a couple of guys in the chat uh, were naming him. He's a guy that I had on the list here. I mean, he's got the draft capital. He's had issues with health, but he's going to one of the best offenses, Billy. That's got to be a good situation for, for him. Yeah, let me talk about Miles Sanders at first. I do think he'll be more involved in the passing game. Uh, I don't think he'll quite hit the 50 reception mark like we saw his rookie season, but I think the gone are the days of 28, 26, and 20 receptions that we saw in 2020, 2021, and 2022 when he had a rushing quarterback. And so I think that we can expect to see him closer to that 50 reception level, which would definitely help him kind of catapult as an RB2 again. Um, that being said, I do have some concerns about the offense in general. I also have concerns about Deuce Staley as the running back coach. We saw how he, you know, treated Swift and the rest of this offense. He typically finds a favorite or gets mad. And, and so I think there has to be some concern with Staley there as the running back coach. Um, I don't think he's in as good of a position as some of the other players you mentioned. Swift, I think, is in a great position, but let's face it, Philadelphia still utilizes three running backs. Um, so I would not be surprised to see Penny in the mix, Gainwell in the mix. Shit, I won't be surprised to mix in four with Boston Scott because they re-signed him as well. Yeah. Um, and so I think that Swift probably carves out the largest role in the passing game than any of the other ones, but I do think that we probably see closer to 30% rush share, maybe even lower for him comparison to the other backs. We're going to see 40 to 50% of the rushing share for their team. And so his upside or his rushing upside will be kept. But again, Swift has the ability to take it to the house is explosive now behind one of the best offensive lines, if not the best of offensive line in football. So he has every opportunity to succeed. And if he can stay healthy, probably will significantly outperform ADP. There's a real scenario in which 2024 is here tomorrow and we're looking at Swift as a round one pick because he has the ability to be that good of a back. He just hasn't seen the opportunity because of his health in order for him to remain on the field and be given those opportunities. Another back that I don't know if you mentioned or not was Cam Akers, right? He steps into a really large workload here in 2023, as long as he doesn't piss off Sean McVay again. And as long as he continues to hold the pictures that he has of his family that keep, keep him on the field. And so I think that, Cam Akers will continue to see a large role this year. We saw what he was able to do down the stretch of last year. I think that continues here into 2023, and the offense will be a little bit more balanced with Cooper Cup back as well. Love Akers. Theo, he mentioned J.K. Dobbins. I did a video for J.K. Dobbins for the world-famous draft kit, so why don't you take a minute real quick to remind the people I mean, dude, you're, you're, the, you're the man. Oh, I, I appreciate J.D. That was, that was excellent. I really appreciate that. Um, yeah, I mean, J.D., Dan, Billy, myself, we have all contributed to this with our cameos. The draft kit is awesome. I'm not just saying that because I directed it. I'm saying it because it, it looks fantastic. The information is packed. We have more and more stuff coming out. Billy's uh, top 300, my top 300, and Dario's top 300 are all going to be there shortly. We have cheat sheets coming out, and it's it's just it's just so impressive. And um, yeah, I appreciate it. All you guys doing it, JD. You crushed it with your J.K. Dobbins video. You moved the ADP. Um, you definitely moved the ADP because it's a lot more expensive than when you recorded that video. But, uh, yeah, man, I appreciate that. You can use the code Theo. Get $10 off. It works better than the code Billy. The Theo code always, you know, it, it delivers. You can choose to go Billy, though, if you want to give Billy some love as well. Um, and, yeah, I love the Darby conversation. I'll say Miles Sanders, though, like, it's, it's, it's this thing where we get so many people liking a guy early that he kind of gets pushed up to a level where he's, he's going higher. 
So I think Miles Sanders was more attractive to me maybe a month ago than he is now. I completely agree with Billy. Like DeAndre Swift might have the biggest range of outcomes with these guys because he could be really annoying in terms of you like usability certain weeks. But I'll say it's what he could do this year if Nick Sirianni says, hey, we want to utilize DeAndre Swift and we actually do want to target running backs and it's going to be DeAndre Swift. He's got outs there. He's also got contingent upside that I do think if one of the big three pass catchers is injured, I think DeAndre Swift would be a bigger thing. And then we talk about all the running backs. Running backs get injured and get running backs break down. If this Philadelphia roster suddenly has two two guys right um, you know, in week 12 instead of four, then DeAndre Swift is going to smash. So if you're looking for a pure upside play, like I love taking DeAndre Swift as an RB3. I've taken him as an RB2 a few times as well, and I like the way that turns out. But I'm, I'm with Billy. I think Akers is set to smash. I think if there's – like the Akers – I feel better about Akers than I do Sanders, and I think that's an ADP um, decision lately. And I think your your boy Dobbins is looking great. You and Billy are spot on with him, J.D. I, I said Miles had a good situation. I didn't say he, I didn't say he was necessarily going to capitalize on it. I don't have a lot of Miles Sanders this year. Uh, I do think he is going in situation, and Randy did kind of open my eyes to grabbing a bit of his his uh, you know in my own in my portfolio, but uh, not a guy I'm heavy on. A couple of guys I am heavy on Billy in the when you're looking like eighth to twelfth round are James Cook and Antonio Gibson. Love both of these guys, especially like if I'm starting later to build my RB room. Who are a running back or one of your favorite running backs in that range right now when you're in draft rooms? But oh, you're on mute, brother. Thank you. I was kind of. I kind of cooled my jets on on Gibson, you know, with the news of Hunt potentially reuniting with Eric Bieniemy. I think we have to just put that on pause until we have some clarity in the situation, because Hunt being out of the mix could completely destroy ADP oh, yeah. for 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 both the backs there. And so I'm gonna wait and kind of take a wait and see approach on that moving forward until I have some more clarity. Um, I like James Cook a lot. We look at the Buffalo Bills offense, right? We have to like that it's one of the most high-powered offenses in the, in the NFL. Um, they don't really have a true number two. I mean, yes, Gabe Davis is there but and played through his ankle injury last year, and so we might be able to chop it up to that, but maybe we chop it up to he's just not that good. And so I think that there's there's always that side of the coin to look at where Cook is going to continue to get more involved in the passing game and is going to be that outlet there for 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 Josh Allen. Um, I know they they brought in their boy or, or Theo's boy over there, Dalton Kincaid, um, but I I I don't think he's going to be you know a true two or even a three in that offense. And so I, I still think that Cook is in a good situation and is potentially going to emerge as a pass catching back here for for them. Nice. Do you have someone else? Is there another guy that stands out in that in that range? Or? Uh, best ball or, or redraft? Re- redraft best ball. Yeah, I think we see sometimes we see James Conner slip down there. Um, yeah. Doesn't happen often, but when we do see him, I really like his opportunity this year. He's nearing the tail end of his his contract. Um, they really have no loyalty to him. This offense just doesn't look like they're going to have. Um, Kyler Murray for the majority of the season. They could technically run James Conner into the ground, similar to what they did with Josh Jacobs last year in Vegas. And I think that we could see James Conner, given that he can stay healthy in a in a large you know workload. I think Jamal Williams, who's going in round 10, is an interesting one as well, um, just because we have the looming suspension for Alvin Kamara, which opens up a lot of goal line touches, opens up a lot of early down work. It also opens up 
some you know 80 plus targets in this offense for him to be involved in the passing game uh i'm not crazy about kendra miller probably gonna you know potentially have a slow start as well and so jamal williams might be looking at a a pretty hefty workload as well um and then again same same concept i like damian harris because the offense and this damian harris is probably the best two down back that they've had on this team in quite some time and how much we expect them to be in the red zone uh we could see Double-digit touchdowns out of Damon Harris as well. Dan, now that Billy's poo-pooed on my Kendrick, Kendrick Miller uh, shares, which I, I'm still very bullish on. I'm, I'm going to stand by it. Uh, Thank you for your donation. Yeah, Dan, uh, where, where are you at in, in this range? I'm not – honestly, Dan, when I looked at this range, I like too many of these guys. Like, I love <laughs> all these guys just because I love these late running backs this year. Right. Yeah. Now, I'm. I mean, I'm. I'm very bullish on Kendra Miller, but just not so much necessarily for this year. I think he's a great dynasty asset. Uh, this year, I've been pretty cool on drafting him, but uh, I, the the guy I just can't stay away from, uh, Devon A. Chain. Just I, I love the speed. I love the offense that he's on. Uh, I I feel like he's just a perfect fit for that Miami offense, and we're gonna see him used creatively. So, you know, I, I don't think he's going to get a ton of touches, but I think he's going to be absolutely super productive with the touches he does get. Uh, so I, th- I think he's a great bet in there too, uh, especially for uh, best ball because you don't have to worry about when to start him. You just, you know, enjoy the big weeks. Uh, other than that, yeah, uh, Damian Harris is another one that I've been pretty big on in this range too. Yeah, I, I think that you guys all had some really interesting things to say. I mean, I think what Billy said about Jamal Williams – like Jamal Williams will see his ADP shoot way up if we have some Alvin Kamara clarity. So you're getting a discount. Dan brings up Devon A-Chain. If Dalvin Cook signs elsewhere, then A-Chain's going to go back to where he was getting drafted a month ago. So you guys are able to spot like these guys who are real values right now potentially, and I think that's um, spot on. James Cook, though, I, I really like, and I've, I've gotten a lot, of, a lot of garbage from Dan and JD for my, my James Cook belief go, dating back to rookie drafts last year. Um, oh, for but, last year, yeah. But for this, I, I, I'm warming up to Cook just for you, Theo. This is it, you. Though, I'm God, warming up. If he if if he just absorbs the Devin Singletary receiving work, mm-hmm. and he takes a step forward as a rusher in that offense, even if Damian Harris is scoring some touchdowns on the ground, like James Cook has breakaway run ability, like he showed it last year, and he's got the receiving profile and the draft capital. And it's one of the best offenses in the league. So I really want to take shots on James Cook. And he's also in a range where it's not gonna it's not gonna destroy my build um if I take James Cook right there. It's not like, you know, if I fail on on a James Cook ADP. I think he's a guy I'm I'm very bullish on and I'm gonna stick with it. I actually got in, into it with Mike Shope. Mike Shope is big time on Damian Harris for what it's worth. Um <laughs> but I, I'm on James I'm on James Cook. I think some of the names you guys mentioned are very good. Uh I'll say Samaje Piran's interesting. If Javante Williams is slow out the gate and and Russell Wilson takes a step forward that Billy expects, Samaje Piran, I worry about how much he can handle, but I think he could be like a top 24 back over like the first six weeks of the season. And having that head start, if you're a very good waiver wire person like we all are, like having a good head start from the running back position where you don't have to use that ADP, that one helps. So I like him. Um, I've taken A.J. Dillon when he's fallen. Like AJ Dillon, like people don't mm-hmm. want to draft anymore after really want to draft him oh, last year. Such a good price right now, yeah. It's the same situation as last year, um, except you're getting him much much cheaper. 
And Aaron Jones has been very fortunate injury-wise. Um, he's older. Uh, if he went down, A.J. Dillon is a top 20 play every single week. And new, new quarterback, man. We, we still don't know what this offense is really going to look like. I know we think Aaron Jones, same split. We don't know, man. He, you know, he might have a rapport with Dylan we don't know about uh, when, you're, when you're talking Jordan Love. Guys, let's end on this. We're talking running backs. Let's go a little deeper, around 13 to 24-ish. Billy, we'll start with you. Give the audience your one trap in that range, your one running back that you're maybe avoiding or not as – not as big on in that range and then remind the people i mean you have so much goodness out there remind them where they can find all of it just in case they don't know and what you have coming up so they don't miss anything so rb 13 through 24 you said trap yep yes sir just one just one and don't take alexander madison because he's mine okay i was gonna <laughs> i was gonna say i was in madison um, no, you know what go go talk about him dude talk no about him. no that's fine that's fine. I think that's the obvious one. That's cheating. Um, there's a lot of good running backs from 13 to 24. I know. Mm-hmm. I think, man. I literally like every other running back. That's what I wrote in my notes in that range. <laughs> while, Billy's thinking, while Billy's thinking about it, though, it's this year because of, of the dead zone getting pushed back and back and back. Like, it's so funny. Like, J.K. Dobbins is running back 18. A couple years back, you'd be having to take running back 18 in the beginning of the third round. And you'd say, oh, I really don't want to use my third round pick. But now you're getting to use your fifth round pick. So liking some of these running backs later, uh, JD, I think it's okay. Because, again, if my fifth round pick busts and I draft well, it's not going to screw my build over. Especially when wide receiver is juicy at the top and then it just flattens, right? Yeah. yeah. I think this might this might be a hot take, but I think it might be Isaiah Pacheco. Um, yes. I am not sold that he is going to see... We agree with that. He's going to see the opportunity that he saw last year. A lot of this was with Clyde Edwards-Alaire injured, and I know Clyde Edwards-Alaire hasn't lived up to the expectation of his round one draft capital. But that being said, um, he was actually performing pretty well before he got hurt in those first six weeks. Um, he was an RB1 in the beginning of the season. And so I think that we could see a three-headed monster this year. I think that we're going to see a little bit of Clyde Rosalaire. We're going to see a little bit of Jarek McKinnon. We're going to see a little bit of Zay Pacheco. We're also going to see possibly some Prince. And so when you mix all this in, Pacheco being drafted as a top 24 running back, I have some hesitation. Uh, again, though, we get to look at the flip side of the coin because it is the Kansas City Chiefs offense, and you always want to have a piece of this offense. Anytime you can have a positive game script, which Kansas City has a lot of, you want a piece of that rushing attack. And so um, it gives me hesitation to say it because there is a real chance to where you know he's going to outperform this ADP, but I do think that he could possibly be a, a trap and finish more in that RB30 range than RB20 to 24 like he's being drafted. Yeah, just to, to hop on that one, I I think that also Pacheco, you know, he's not healthy right now, and he's not expected to be healthy until sometime in the middle Correct. of training camp. Yeah, I you know, that. and that just that leaves an opening for other running backs to come in and impress, and them to figure out. You Which know, is the worst thing when you don't. Have yeah, and, and, and yeah, because Pacheco, he's a seventh round pick. You know, they are not going to have a ton of loyalty to him. So uh, he he's a guy who worries me a lot. Uh, JD and I have been uh, busily divesting ourselves of uh, Pacheco shares in Dynasty. So, And guys, go check that out on the Goat District YouTube channel, man. Uh, Dan and I do once a week, the Owner's Lounge. We got a new episode dropping tomorrow. Uh, we just recently did one where we got a couple trades done. 
we're sending out like what then six, seven, eight proposals per episode that we're, we're kind of going through deep uh, in our high stakes co-owned team. So go check that out guys on the goat district channel, Billy, you're always awesome, man. I love having you on just the amount of knowledge you have the, you know, I, I always say it. I love the guys that talk the talk and walk the walk and you crush the high stakes streets and you come here and crush every time. And we appreciate all your takes tonight. Again, just remind the peeps if you have anything big coming up or, or where they can find your stuff. Yeah, of course, you can find all my rankings and projections over at Player Profiler. They are the ones that power the site. Um, if you have a draft kit, you can actually export the rankings, and it has all the projections mixed in there as well for all the seasonal data. Um, and so make sure to, to to take a look at that. Theo spent countless hours on that draft kit, and it turned out amazing. So great job, Theo. I'm on Twitter, of course, at FF Musio. That's M-U-Z-I-O. Um, and I do posts here and there, primarily promoting podcasts that I'm either on, like today, guest appearing, or that we're uh, performing at Player Profiler. I record Man vs. Machine every Wednesday. It goes out on Thursdays. Um, I record First Class Fantasy with Theo every Thursday as well. And then The Dominator is now on Sundays with a rotating guest every other week and Matt, a.k.a. The Podfather, on every other Sunday. So that's where you can find me, Player Profiler, for all my stuff. Hope to see you then. Use code Billy, not Theo. It, it gets you. It gets. It gets you. It gets you a better ten dollars off. Um, and then you know it's. And then we don't. Oh, Theo's not in Canada. You don't have to worry about conversion rates either. So you're good. Not anymore. And, and, not and anymore. this just in. Uh, this just in. Some breaking news. Uh, our people managed to work it out with uh, Billy's people, and we had such a big show sheet. We literally just got ha- halfway through it. So we're gonna we're gonna get Billy back next week. Special fifth of July episode uh with billy muzio back in the goat district so guys make sure you tune in next wednesday 9 p.m eastern theo we have the god i was gonna say the godfather the podfather himself he might as well be the godfather at this point uh maddie matt kelly coming on the district uh the following week and then we've got our dynasty i mean he's i, I gotta say he's he's our dynasty author for sure for the goat district uh, we've had him on a million times. We love him. Jordan McNamara is coming on. And Theo, I know you're on 24-7, and you've got a ton of stuff coming out. So why don't you take this opportunity to uh, just remind the peeps before we close it out? Yeah, so make sure you subscribe to the GOAT District. Uh, JD and Dan are putting out great stuff all summer. Uh, we have ma- we're have we going to maybe put out a pros versus Joes uh, pod. We'll, we sure. can record that and drop it. Yep. Um, we're defending our title in the FFPC pros versus Joes. Uh, that should be the very end of July. JD talked about Matt coming on, Jordan McNamara, Goat District's bringing you great guests. Yeah, check out First Class Fantasy. Billy and I um, have had a really good run of guests. Uh, that's it, It's a great show, um, and I think we have a lot of like crossover. If you like Goat District high-stakes stuff, Billy and I are talking the same language in First Class Fantasy. Um, and then I debuted press coverage. I dropped an episode with Adam Levitan, dropped an episode with Sigmund Bloom. Uh, it's going well. It was. Uh, it's a little, little – JD, a lot of respect for, for operating – uh, Billy does it over <laughs> fantasy, push the buttons. I was I caught that today. I caught but, that today. But it's, <laughs> it's, it's okay. it went it went well, and I've gotten some really good feedback. So appreciate people tuning in. And yeah, stick with Player Profiler YouTube uh, all summer. We have some awesome crushing. stuff coming. Uh, I mean, we're, I think we're really crushing it in terms of if you want high stakes, actionable information. No one in fantasy football is given to you better than Player Profiler, our podcasts, and also our our programming partners like the Goat District, First and Fifteen, the Deep End are just fantastic uh, fantasy football players first and foremost and putting out tremendous content. 
Yeah, first and 15, a great addition. And like Theo said, even if you watch us on YouTube, guys, if you're watching the show on YouTube, still go to your favorite podcast podcast platform, sign up to your favorite podcast, man. That helps them. Every time you download the show, you listen to it, drop a, you know, rate and review. Billy, Billy started, Dan, this is the second time I've started a code war on, on this uh, draft kit. Guys, go get the draft kit. Whether you use Billy or Theo, it's a must have, guys. It's a must have. Chat was awesome tonight. You guys crushed. You guys were lit. We appreciate you guys hanging with us. Go crush those drafts, guys. And in Dynasty, send those offers, man. Right now is the time to build those champion teams. Guys, we'll check you all later. District, you know the Pope listens. Dynasty, our religion, for the blokes missing on all of these trades, on all of these plays, on all of these grades. By the end of the day, y'all getting played. So, what you gonna do next? Try to fill up that flex. Send the homie a text. That trash offers the best. You try to make it complex. Then they text you back. Now, all of a sudden, they don't make any sense. <laughs> Broaden your horizons, boy. Dynasty's not for the Simons, boy. These trades not for consignment, boy. Respect your opponent, y'all some piranhas, boy. This my advice from me to you. Open up your cute little podcast queue. Search up G-O-A-T District, my dude. Pop it in your ear, man. Y'all know what to do. It's the... And I always be traded. And I always be traded. And I always be traded. Y'all try to betray them, but first you gotta bait them. Fish.